Wow, that took a long time for the Hangout to go live. Did you see that? Like, I clicked start broadcast, and there was, like, 10 seconds of dead air. And Just kind of watching you with that stupid look on your face was pretty good, though. It kind of, it's kind of that, worth it for me. It kind of brought me back to my college radio days, to be totally honest. Yeah, lots of dead air on other Citadel. <laughs> yes, which, appropriately, is appropriate for this week's episode of Unqualified Gamers, a video game podcast about video games. <laughs> I'm Rachel from Tyrion's Landing, a podcast member of the Gunning Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunningGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Cody Goffin, my usual... What are you, John? A husk of my former self, a shell. My usual husk of his former self, a shell. Jonathan Martin is here. And we're also joined by a special guest, Juris Doctorate Fox from... Or or JD. Or JD. I guess JD is a little easier than Juris Doctorate. It was John's idea to call you that, though. To call him JD? Well, yeah, because I thought that Juris Doctorate was too long. I don't know what Juris Doctorate is. It's his it's a name. <laughs> You're, I'm not sure which of you to believe, quite frankly. Well, um, <clears throat> so, listener, JD... Oh, and by the way, JD, this, uh, this podcast is safe for work, so we can't swear, yeah. even though I know you are worked up. No, um, no I, I, I know in front of a microphone I do not swear. That's still the professionalism that is my radio career that I, that I tried to pass along to you long ago. And you to did, mixed results. You did a good job to mixed results. I, you know, I keep the swearing off WGN, but for a while on this podcast, uh, that was a little less so what happened. But listener, JD and I actually went to school together and studied radio and television and media. I think technically I went to school with you two as well. Yeah, JD and I went to school together and actually saw each other in classes. I never saw you in a class, John. So yeah, as, far actually, as, I, as far as I know, you just lived in the dorm and played Guitar Hero. Mm. That actually might be accurate. So there you go. But we, we all went to Drake's. So it's a big little Drake deal. Uh, and I got a message from JD because he had such strong feelings because last week, and this is all we're going to talk about on this on this episode, is last over the last week or so in October... 2015, there was a list released by IGN. It was IGN's top 100 games of all time. And JD felt so strongly about this list that he actually messaged me and he said, I know we've talked about being in your podcast before, but this is the week because I have things to say. Yeah, to give a little background, IGN has done similar lists before, but they've always had like it's been all Xbox 360 games, for instance. It's been all games from a particular decade. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to take video gaming, which really, let's be honest, started in the very late 70s, and go through 2015. I believe their cutoff was games released by August 1st, 2015, if I remember correctly. It's a list trying to compose all the whole history of video gaming. Into a top 100 list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's... I don't think that's an unreasonable thing, considering that like like IMDb has our top 100 movies of all time list. So I, I you know, it's a thing that it's a thing that other like medium or media endures. I'm sure there's like a top 100 songs of all time, uh, as done by Ryan Seacrest. 
Right, there has to be. So that, I, I don't think it's like I don't think it's out of the question. I didn't think there was anything like inherently crazy about their attempt at it. John, you are wrong. This listen, we pride ourselves on unqualified gamers about being positive and about talking about what we love about video games. But this today is when we join the YouTube community of being unnecessarily outraged by things. Today's the day. All right, then I am pissed. Right? I'm furious. Yeah. And JD, why, gonna, why am I angry? J- JD is going to tell us why we're all angry. Okay. They basically, all of the editors of IGN got together and they all created their own lists of 100 games. So they got it down to something like 294 and then they had all these meetings. But they never actually said any of the qualifications for it. And why I find this idea so bizarre and impossible is that we're talking not only about console gaming, we're talking about PC gaming, and we're also talking about arcade gaming. Three things that have three different fan bases and three different histories. And what we find is that their their idea of PC gaming, with a couple exceptions, is 2010 and above. Their idea of arcade gaming is 1984 and before, and their idea of console gaming is the the NES as, as the starting point. That's true. You will notice no Sonic the Hedgehog games on this list. Which, I mean, they weren't that good. I was about to say, which to be fair, I actually agree with because none of the Sonic games were really good. But yeah. looking at the list, I will say Zork the Underground Empire, Zork won the Underground Empire, uh, released in 1980, is number 77 on the list. So there is one pre-console-ish PC game on the list. I don't want to spoil it for folks out there because we're going to go over the list. But if you're waiting around to hear the word Pong, it is not going to appear on this list. <laughs> and this bothers you because you feel like they should have, like... But when you're talking about the greatest games, like, who is sitting around playing Pong? And who's sitting around, like, playing Space Invaders? Other than people trying to break the world record for the highest score. To be fair, they didn't say greatest. There was no greatest anywhere in their article. They just this was just, their article was just the top 100 games ever. And like, what the hell does top mean, right? Like, top could mean anything. So when I very first saw the list, I interpreted top because again, they like did a behind the scenes article that that I read, and they didn't explain what that meant. But to me, it kind of meant a combination of both. Like, the ability to play the game, so, like, the game's playability, even as it would stand up to now-a-days, like, current generation video games, as well as, like, the importance of these video games within the history of video games. Like, it's it, to me, it kind of looks like a combination of the two of them. Because their number, like, to give you an example, their number one game, Super Mario Bros. 3, it, that game both can easily be played today and still be enjoyable to play, and literally like pushed the Nintendo to its absolute limit in terms of what it could do as a console. Um, I mean, it was unlike any other game that had ever been made before for the Nintendo and really like solidified what a side-scrolling platformer could be in that era when that was the most important type of game that existed. So like, I think a, a good case could be made for that game being the number one game. I don't think I necessarily agree with it, but I can understand, like, I can, I can see an argument for it. You know what I'm saying? I'm taking notes. Except, except I'm pissed. (laughs) I'm just, I, I, uh, again, I don't know why you're trying to take some kind of, of voice of neutrality because JD makes excellent points. He does. Oh, I'm not dismissing his points. And you don't make any excellent points. Like everything you're saying is stupid. So, and I'm pissed, you know? 
JD, yeah. continue or counterpoint if you want. Oh, or he dropped the, he dropped from the call, of course. So he'll be rejoining us shortly, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> because this is a whole blue screen of death. He's he's going to his backup computer. Okay, oh, this, well, this is, is good. This is what happens when we try to recruit. But I, you know, I, and I I guess I don't want to since, since this is something we're talking about with him. I don't uh, I don't want to talk about it. I guess while he's not here, because I I you know want to hear what he has to say about it. So I'll he's, just tell you. He's already back, John. I will he's tell you a back. funny anecdote in the meantime. So my son was watching Sesame Street uh, song videos before he went to bed. It's kind of like his ritual. He gets to watch like two or three Sesame Street songs because he loves Sesame Street. And um, there's a song that was like done. I want to say in like the '90s or something. Oscar the Grouch did it. It's called "I Love Trash." It's a fantastic song, uh, and Oscar the Grouch. If you if you don't know, first of all, like what the hell's wrong with you? Like everybody should know who Oscar the Grouch is. But he's he's a, a green monster that lives in a trash can, uh, and he loves trash, and that's why the song is called "I Love Trash." And in the middle of the song, he mentions one of the things that he absolutely loves is a rusty trombone. And I was thinking when I heard that as I was walking by to get water through the kitchen, I was like, uh. That if I Love Trash was made today, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't use the line, I love a rusty trombone. I don't think Oscar the Grouch would say that anymore. Is that fair? That is one of the weirdest asides you have ever presented to this show. And now I will go to Urban Dictionary and look up rusty trombone. I'm not sure I'll be able to say what it says on this podcast. Here we go. It Come on, is... Cody, you were in band. <laughs> I wasn't in this kind of band. Uh, to get blanked, while receiving a hearty blank, thus resembling a trombone player in full chorus. Uh, I mean, I can say the words. None of them are, are swears, but um, it's a little too blue for this podcast. Um, JD, where we last left off before that amazing tangent, uh, John was saying that he thinks there's something to be said for the uh, sustainability of the game and that you can kind of pick up and play it, and or the innovation that goes into the game, e.g. Mario 3 being at the top of the list, uh, you can pick it up and play it. These days, it pushed the NES to its limit. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's really the, the key is we're talking about you know games like Super Mario Bros. 3 that stand the test of time, you would have your, as a gamer today, if you had a young uh, son or daughter, that would be a great introduction to gaming right there. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like that's that's solid. If you're if we're going from the top of the list, that that's I have no complaints with the top of the list. It's the in-between parts that I, that I have a problem with. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to the in-between parts. So I figure uh, we'll just go like 10 at a time. I'll throw out uh, the names, starting with 100, I'll just throw out 10 at a time, and any overwhelming thoughts that either of you have, we'll just jump in with. Does that sound like a good way to approach it, or is there something particular you want to jump into right now? No, I think that's a, that's a good start for me. Cool, it's fine cool. by me. All right, awesome, great. All right, uh, so starting from number 100, from 100 to number uh, 91, you have The Walking Dead Season 1, Advanced Wars, Perfect Dark, Galaga, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Donkey Kong 94, Ico, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, and Batman Arkham Asylum. JD, your thoughts first? Okay, I'll, I'll start with, with 98 Perfect Dark. Obviously, that's a sequel to uh, a game we're going to see later in the list, GoldenEye 007. And pr in my mind, that is probably the best multiplayer game that exists on the N64. I know that's going to get some slack for some people, but it didn't have the GoldenEye licensing, but they improved GoldenEye, which was really the start of kind of a four-player, uh, on the console anyway, a four-player 
what have you, multi, you know, everybody has fun and plays for six hours shooting each other sort of game. Um, I think it's it's way too low on this list, but it does not really stand up in history. But to that point, neither does does Goldeneye really. Uh, makes sense. Uh, my only comment really with this bottom, now I have not played Ico or Donkey Kong 94. What is Donkey Kong 94? I have I no idea Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong 94 is really interesting. It's a game I actually know quite a bit about. It is a game where you actually start and you play Donkey Kong, and you have to beat Donkey Kong, and then it's a whole brand new game. And it was the really, to me, the only game I know of really that got mainstream traction that did something outside of the box like this. Uh, it's really an idea that I don't think anybody has tried again, taking a classic game and then making it, you have to beat that game to play the 94 version of the game. Interesting. I also see that it was released in 1994, and it's number 94 on the list. So do you think they were going for a little stickiness there? I mean, come on. Jonathan, your thoughts? I don't I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I guess I don't really have a problem with these. There's a couple of games I hear that I haven't played. Like, I haven't played Advance Wars. I hear it's awesome. I've never played it. I didn't finish season one of The Walking Dead. Um, haven't played Super Mario Galaxy 2, haven't played Donkey Kong 94. Wait, haven't you played... haven't played Super Mario Galaxy 2? No. It, Super Mario Galaxy is like one of your favorite games of all time. It how is. Could you, how could you not have played Super Mario Galaxy 2? I've, I don't know. I, I, it came out like at the towards the middle-ish end of the Wii's life cycle. I had moved on to other systems at that point, so I just never got it. Um, I never played Ico, which is like a total shame. Like I know I need to play that game, but I have not played Ico before. Um, so, like, there's a bunch of games I can't speak to, but I, I've, they're, like, critically acclaimed great games from everything I understand. Um, and Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island is awesome. Like, the other games on there are awesome. And if, if a Batman game is going to be on this list, I would pick Arkham Asylum, definitely, over all of the other ones that were released. Arkham right. Asylum was freaking amazing. Right. So. And we've talked about Arkham Asylum on this podcast. You can you can search it on qualifygamers.com to find that review. So I don't I don't think that John's going to have a lot of problems with this list, but I don't know. Maybe when we get higher, you need to let the inner rage out, John. If anything, I feel like Batman Arkham Asylum should be higher to be honest. I think like that game that game was one of the best games of the entire generation last generation of systems. Whoa, hyperbole alert. Let's it, go. Let's It's not hyperbole. On. It legitimately was. It was like it was one of the be- like that combat system which had never been it had never been made before. Like it and every game like almost every action game since then has aped it. And maybe yes some have done it better. Actually, I don't know if any have done it better. I haven't played obviously every game with that particular combat system, but Tons of games have used that combat system now. Mad Max just came out. That used it. Um, Shadow of Mordor used it. I mean, there's a ton of games that used that combat system after it came out. So, I, I mean, it, it really innovated on the action genre. That's fair. And, and one, one thing for you, Cody, um, and, and this is tough when we start talking about games in the top 100 that there are four or five versions of that game pools and whatnot on there. Um, Wind Waker down this far when you know where the other Zelda games ended up, are, are you okay with that, being the, the Zelda file you are? You know, it's weird. Uh, so my favorite Legend of Zelda game is actually Twilight Princess, which is uh, is not always the most popular opinion. Wind Waker, I think, generally overall was more popular than Twilight Princess, at least from what I've seen on the internet, people seem to be a bigger, the biggest fans of Wind Waker, um, has a major cult following. Um, I, I'm okay with it. I mean, there are like five Zelda games on the list, so you, 
if you're a Zelda fan, you can't really complain. Um, and I did see in IGN's uh, article about them creating this list that Majora's Mask only barely missed the cut of Top 100 because actually... Uh, a couple lists have named Majora's Mask the best Nintendo 64 game of all time. Uh, so I know, and I know that that has like a. I mean, I went to the Zelda Symphony a few weeks ago for the like fifth time, and as soon as they show Majora's Mask, people totally flip out. So I know that that has an incredibly cult following. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Wind Waker being on the list? Any list that has. Uh, Majora's Mask is the best 64 game over Mario 64 is wrong, right? Because that's that was the best 64 game that was ever released. Mario 64? Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell if you're trolling right now and just... I'm not. To... I'm not. That game was that game was incredible. Like, you want to talk about a game that, like, did things that no video game had, like, ever done before and did... Oh, yeah, that game was... That game was mind-blowing. My mind was blown as a kid when I played that for the first time. Yeah, so, yeah, it did. Th- it did things that only had been done on the Jaguar. I will. I will give it that. No. Um. I, I. Obviously, it's a great game. And and spoiler alert. I mean, IGN agrees with that opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where that was. Yeah, it's 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 very up there. It's it's the highest rated C4 game. Perfect. I'm just glad that you're starting to embrace the dark side, John. And, and I'm pissed. You have to have opinions, man. Listen, man. This is what. Listen, we're on. We're back on YouTube. My camera works again. Your camera has always worked. And the first week that I have a functioning camera, I book a guest that has no camera capability. Yeah, no, it works. It's perfect. It's it's about right for this podcast. Um, well, I, all right, I'm cool going on to the next 10. Uh, JD, do you want to uh, move us into uh, 931? Yeah, yeah, I certainly can. Uh, number 90, System Shock 2. Number 89, everyone's favorite, The Oregon Trail. 88 is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. 87, SimCity 2000. 86 is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. 85 is the most interesting of all the XCOM games. It's UFO Defense. Uh, 84 is Contra. 83, Fallout 2. 82 is Resident Evil 2. And 81, a very underrated The Secret of Monkey Island. So I'm just glad that Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is on the list because that may be my favorite NES game of all time. It's really all I have to say about that. That at this point. Yeah, it's 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 definitely one of the the hardest to beat. Uh, if and it sold a specific controller, I think, really well for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System because you really wanted the arcade uh, controller for that game. I don't think I ever beat Mike Tyson. In fact, I'm fairly certain I never beat Mike Tyson. Oh, I never beat him. Hell no. Yeah. Um. I once again, I don't really have a problem with these ten. Um. I I know System Shock Two is like a, another critically acclaimed game that I've never played. Same. Um, Never played Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I always thought that that was considered like the best Grand Theft Auto, but um, there's other Grand Theft Autos on this list, right? But I always thought that that was considered the best. Maybe there isn't another Grand Theft. No, there is. Grand Theft Auto Five is number sixteen. So I always thought that Grand Theft that Grand Theft Auto Vice City was considered like the best one. So I was a little surprised that that was this low. Um, but I never play it, so I can't really speak to it. As somebody who played, you know, all the GTAs going back, I, I think it was the first GTA that really took a theme of a city and just went with it. There, and and obviously there were some capabilities that improved before this game came out. But really, you go down from, I mean, we were just a few years removed from that point of a, of a top-down um, GTA, and to have uh, all the advancements which went into Vice City, um, yeah, that that's definitely deserving to be on here. Is it? Should it be this low? 
not really sure. Um, not that either of you have access to what I what I play on on Steam, but you will see me log some hours of SimCity 2000 if you were so aware. I, I think that game still holds up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I look at this this particular chunk of the list, I think to myself, yeah, these should be in the top 100. But, like, I don't have any really strong feelings about, like, no, SimCity 2000 should be, like, number 50 or number 40 or anything. I mean, I'm just, like, kind of glad they're on the list. Resident Evil 2, I could see as going a little higher on the list just because of the cultural impact and the horror genre uh, pioneering and all the other things it did. But um, but I, I haven't played Fallout 2 or XCOM UFO Defense or uh, actually really any of the GTA games much. Um, so I can't speak much to the rest. But I think I think these are probably solid. This chunk, I think I, it's in the next... I mean, there's, there's two Resident Evil games that should appear on this list, and they both appear on this list, one of which is not... Not nearly high enough. It's not this one. Cool. Okay. So we're all overall pretty okay with these bottom 20. Um, unless, sure. Jade, you've got any other comments about this little chunk? I, I was just going to say that XCOM UFO Defense is the single strangest game I've ever played, and that's why I think it's on this list, is you take a military-type game and then you throw aliens and UFOs into it. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. Um, I will have to check it out sometime. Well, the, original, uh, the original was like a really ridiculously difficult game, right? UFO Defense was the original XCOM, or is that like a totally different thing? I, uh, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to sound stupid or uninformed here, but I think it's the second one. I'm not 100 percent on that. You're on unqualified gamers. Exactly. You're not supposed to know any. Like, uh, what's kind of cool and illustrative about this list is how many of the quote-unquote top hundred games of all time John and I will be saying that we have not played. Oh yeah, there's a ton. But there are a lot that we have played, and so I, I think I think that really speaks to our podcast. I'm sure JD, you haven't played all the games on this list, um, so it's okay. But um, yeah, use whatever vague um, expertise you have in whatever area, and uh, everything comes with a disclaimer that we really don't necessarily know what we're talking about, listener. I think so. I think XCOM Enemy Unknown is the recent one that just came out in like 2012. XCOM UFO this UFO one, I think, was the very first one that was released back in, like, 1980 or whatever, or 82. Oh, XCOM UFO Defense, I'm looking at the list right now. That was released in 1994. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, that that was, like, the first one. XCOM but, UFO Defense was the first one. Oh, okay. And then the... And then the second one just came out a couple of years ago. That was XCOM Enemy Unknown. And then there was an expansion for that XCOM Enemy with it. Cool. Well, uh, John, do you want to uh, go with 80 through 71? Sure. Uh, 80 is Final Fantasy 7, 79 is Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, 78 is Fallout 3, 77 is Zork 1, The Underground Empire, I have no idea what that is, 76 is Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening, 75 is Earthbound, 74 League of Legends, 73 Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness, 72 Spelunky, and 71 is Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six 3, Raven Shield. Jeez. All right, this is where I start to have problems with the list. Uh, and JD, I'll give you a shot in a minute. But I'm sorry, but League of Legends, I feel, and I've never played League of Legends, but I feel this should be higher on the list because they're filling stadiums with people watching. There are professional broadcasters of League of Legends. Like, a few weeks I'm going to be at TEDx Naperville, and one of the speakers is the coach of the League of Legends team at Robert Morris University, which gives scholarships for EU students to play League of Legends. Like, I mean, how does that not break the top 50? 
I mean, you know in, that in you, terms of cultural... you know that you won't have any argument from me that League of Legends should be higher because I've talked about it so many times on this podcast, and I think it's one of the best games ever made. So yes, I agree with you. It should probably be higher on this list. And I, I am. I mean, GD, yeah. I am all for it being higher on this list so long as the game directly in front of it on the list also goes that high. Because I don't think we have the online gaming environment on the PC that we do today if it's not for Warcraft 2 Tides of Darkness. (laughs) Oh man, John and I played that game so much growing up. In like, what, 5th, 6th grade probably? I mean, we, we, we played that game constantly. We did, yeah, we did. We absolutely played that game. That's, other than World of Warcraft, that was the best Warcraft game that has been released so far. And and I just have fond memories of rushing home from school just so I could uh, play with one of my school buddies and, and you know, dial up and, and connect to each other. And I mean, that was even before, doing that before, I mean, and then Battle.net came along and that made it even better. But like just directly connecting two people and then the start, the idea of clans that came from that. And, and you can go on and on and we can talk about that game probably for a long time. Um I think Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 is something that is very fondly looked upon to the part to the point where we're finally going to have a Tony Hawk game that's similar to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 after all these years uh, coming out very soon. I thought that Tony Hawk. I thought that like so. I never played any skating game. I didn't. I just didn't. There weren't a thing for me. I was not. It was not a, a scene that I was at all interested in. But I always thought that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 was considered the best one, and that doesn't show up on this list. I thought 2 was considered the best one. I yeah, think... I guess. I guess I had just heard that 3 because 2 added something called like a a manual or something that allowed you to to string tricks together. I'm talking I, again I've never played any of these games. I have no idea if what I'm saying is correct but I thought that two added like a manual move that allowed you to string tricks together and three added like another thing that allowed you to string even more tricks together and that was like where it peaked that was just what I seem to remember hearing I, JD I, maybe I, you know something about this series I, I always think that two is the better game three got a little too complicated but three is beloved by people for the soundtrack that is the most fondly remembered Tony Hawk soundtrack. See, and if we're if we're getting into soundtracks, then Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball should be on here just for the theme song. How crazy are you by Mayha? So uh, I don't really have a problem with this part of the list. Um, like other than like again, I don't. I've never played Zork, um, so I don't know anything about that. I actually didn't. No, Devil May Cry 3 was one of the ones that I did like. Sorry, Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry 2 was the one I really didn't like. I liked 1 and 3. Um, Earthbound is fantastic. I think that's a fantastic game. Yeah, I want to know how Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six 3 Raven Shield is ranked higher than Earthbound. And I don't Final know what Fantasy, that game is. And Final Fantasy 7, for that matter. I mean, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six 3 Raven Shield. So Final Fantasy 7, in my opinion, doesn't hold up from a gameplay perspective, especially as somebody who has tried to go on to go back and play it recently. Like, that is a hard game to play now. A very hard game to play now. It, I'm not at all knocking the cultural significance of the time. It literally sold me a PlayStation. I sold my Super Nintendo and all of my Super Nintendo games so I could buy a PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII, which is one of, like, the largest regrets of my life. <laughs> That's actually that's actually a little dramatic. Actually, it doesn't really matter with emulation at this point. But 10 years ago, I was very sad that I did that. But Final Fantasy VII was a very important game to me. But 
trying to go back and play it now is not easy. It's not a great game to play. I, I will say I tried about a year and a half ago, and I probably put six hours in. Because of the gameplay? Because, like, the graphics are, are un, they're unacceptable, right? Like, you, you can't look at the game anymore. But I, I thought the gameplay itself held up the way a lot of old JRPGs would hold up. It's too slow. It's yeah. too. It's it's just too slow. Like you look at you look later on this list and you see like Final Fantasy VI, which um, shows up as number twenty eight, right? And things like when you get like when you, even just getting into a battle in that game, when you get into a battle, you are instantly on the battle screen. You are instantly putting in commands. Like when when you get into a battle in Final Fantasy VII or eight or nine for that matter, um, especially nine. But if you get into if you get into a battle in any one of those games, you've got Five to ten seconds of loading into the battle screen to get into to get into the fight, be able to start doing stuff, and you add that up in the cumulative number of battles that you've got throughout the course of the game. It takes a very long time. Like it just does. It doesn't move as fast as games move now. So that's okay, I, I I think it's I think it's relatively unplayable now. My experience pretty much echoes that. Um, yeah, I, I I could not just. It, it was so slow moving. I do have good news for you, Cody, though. Uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Three is only ten bucks on Steam, so I think you should check it out. <laughs> All right, why not? Um, do you, now I know you have notes on like pretty much the whole list, uh, JD. So any other comments about uh, eighty through seventy one? No, I, I think uh, I just wanted to say Final Fantasy Seven was slow and Warcraft. I figured League of Legends. I a hundred percent agree that League of Legends should probably be thirty or forty spots up from where it is, uh, as long as Warcraft Two is kind of cemented to it. I, I'm I'm pretty staunch on that. But other than that, I'm 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 okay with those lists. I, I mean, those games outside of there's a couple of them that I honestly know nothing about. Spelunky and uh, Zork One. Yeah, I, I I don't know anything about those games, so I can't, can't come on on those. To be honest, I don't think you have League of Legends without Warcraft, uh, because they're so like they're so similar in their like it's very obvious when you play League of Legends for the first time that they especially because well and okay let me back up for a second League of Legends literally wouldn't exist without Warcraft yeah and not not Warcraft two Warcraft three specifically but Warcraft three is obviously born out of the success of Warcraft two but League of Legends literally started as a Dota clone, and Dota was a mod in Warcraft 3. It was one of the custom maps. So, like, this genre of game, this eSport, this battle arena, this MOBA, which is this new genre that appeared six, six-ish years ago as a, as a, and, and is now a giant force in the video game scene, literally doesn't exist without Warcraft. And Warcraft 2, like you said, is the best of those Warcraft games. I think. So I agree with you. Both of these games should be higher. Yeah, cool. Well, we should we should move on. I'm going to try and keep us kind of on some kind of timetable just so we get through the whole list. Um, uh, keeping in mind, of course, the comments will increase as we reach the top. Uh, so from 70 to 61, you have at number 70 is Mega Man 2. Number 69 is Gran Turismo 3 A Spec. Number 68 is Suikoden 2. 67 is Final Fantasy Tactics, 66 is GoldenEye 007, 65 is Burnout 3, 64 is The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, 63 is Super Smash Bros. Melee, 62 is Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, and 61 is Grim Fandango. Uh, I have a couple thoughts on on this as well. Uh, the only thing that I think should be higher, for sure, Smash Bros. Melee still has a competitive tournament scene 13 years after it came out. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you had to pick one Smash Brothers to be on the list, I would definitely say Melee. 
because it's had the longest lasting impact. Um, I, I think Final Fantasy Tactics is clearly one of the best games ever made, but I'm okay with it being this far down the list because it is so easily breakable. It's one of the most broken games there is. There are so many different ways to completely break the gameplay that technically it's not a um, it's not an achievement in like perfectly balanced gameplay. Again, it's one of the most fun games in the world, and I love Final Fantasy Tactics. But I'm just saying um, that I could see that being a reason why it's so far down. Suikoden Two, I'm surprised isn't higher on the list because I've often heard many many times that it's one of the best games ever made. Uh, if not the best, and Gran Turismo 3 A-Spec, really? A racing game? I, I don't know. I, racing games don't do it for me, so maybe it's just So I'll say, I'll say a couple of things. One, I wouldn't confuse your passion for Super, Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Melee, or Super Smash Brothers as a franchise in general, and try to extrapolate that to the rest of all video gamers, because keep in mind we're, we're like trying to make a top 100 video game list, and the Smash Brothers community is smaller than you think it is, and more passionate even than you think it is. And you know how passionate it is, but it's even more passionate than that. So like, you guys are just vocal, but you're not nearly as big. Like, the Smash Brothers community isn't nearly as big as you think it is. It's big, but it's not like, it's not like League of Legends big. It's not World of Warcraft big. This because it infrastructure it can't be. It's a local game that's played locally, and it was an MLG game for Major League Gaming for a very long time. So I don't know if I nest. I mean, I get what you're saying. No, it never got to that scope and level. But again, competitive Smash Brothers players up until uh, Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS were still competing on Smash Brothers Melee. Like they ignored Brawl, and this is like 10 plus years, right? The only other game to accomplish that is Starcraft. Is the original Starcraft. In Korea, those are the only two games I can think of where they have a robust tournament scene ten plus years after it came out. So I don't know. I don't know, JD. What do you think? Um, I, I always uh, I'll take us on another topic, and you mentioned it briefly, and I always struggle with pronunciation on this game, but Sukoden Two um, it really had a resurgence once they got it on PlayStation Network because I don't know if you've ever tried to purchase that game, but it goes for three hundred fifty to four hundred dollars for, and we're talking about a PlayStation One game. I um, own that game. You still own that game? Oh, yeah. Well, John Martin's rich, everybody. I love that game. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and what I was going to say is, and t- I think this is really the, the JRPG that it has respect on this list. This is a very Western list, and I know it's, it's North American games are really what's being focused on, and, and so I, I think if it didn't have the PlayStation Network resurgence, I don't know if it even makes this list, and it's a shame because I, I agree that it's probably top one or two RPGs of all time. I, I've, I have played it a little bit. I, I am one of those unfortunate souls that owned it at a time and uh, no longer own it and kind of want it back but can't afford it. Any other comments about the uh, 70 through 61s? I mean, uh, I think if you're going to have an Elder Scrolls game, I think this is the one to have in my experience with playing the Elder Scrolls games. Skyrim was the only one that I actually managed to spend a good amount of time with. Um, so I like that's what I can say for that. Um, Suikoden 2 is definitely the best Suikoden game. If you're going to have a Mega Man game, Mega Man 2 is, is also, I think, the one to have. Um, I'm a little surprised, I guess that's a little higher, because that game still holds up, and it was really important. Mega Man so, 2. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And it still totally holds up. So, I, I mean, but it's, you know, it's whatever. Um, I Maybe, you know, we'll see other games when we get a little higher to decide if they should be lower, but... Um, otherwise, I, I mean, I 
played the original Monkey Island. I never actually played Monkey Island 2. Um, and I never played Grim Fandango, but I know they're super highly regarded in terms of adventure games. So, Which we just had a very long discussion about adventure games last week. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I've never played Grim Fandango or Monkey Island 2 as well, um, but I, I would really like to. I want to mention about GoldenEye 007. You talked about Final Fantasy 7 being unplayable. I cannot even... I cannot do anything with GoldenEye 007. And I think it's because the N64 first-person shooter controls are basically opposite of what first-person shooter control standard has become uh, with Halo and Call of Duty series. Um, I I can't touch it. I I, I picked it up at a party uh, last New Year's Eve, like a year and a half ago, and nothing. I, I mean, I could barely walk around. So, I don't know. Also, the the graphics awful. Like, I think in terms of N64 games that don't hold up, GoldenEye is the worst. Um, but maybe that's just me, because I know a lot of people still keep N64s around and play. I don't know, JD, do you still play GoldenEye? Um, I I have uh, my N64 in storage, right? So uh, it hasn't, since I moved, which is now last October, I haven't actually taken it out. And and I kind of echo, I, I kind of mentioned this when we were talking about Perfect Dark right at the beginning of the list. I loved both of those games at the time. I think Perfect Dark is better than GoldenEye 007, but if we tried to play any of these games on the list today, I believe those would probably be 99 and 100 in terms of frustration level, remembering how to play, and being able to execute things that seemed second nature long ago. No yeah, question okay. that Perfect Dark is a better game. That's 100%. Like, no question that it's a better game. It, I think it, the reason why GoldenEye is higher is because, really, I think when you step back, the games are pretty equal in terms of, like, it's, if you just were just, like, look at them side by side now in 2015... They probably feel pretty equivalent in terms of playing them. And GoldenEye came first and blew the console, blew like the idea of console shooters open, which up to that point had really never been done before, right? So, I mean, that's probably why this is why it's higher on this list. While we're on the topic of N64, though, can can I I just rage for a little for a minute here? And JD, I know, also has something to rage about. But there are two glaring omissions from Nintendo 64 on this list. The first being. Uh, and JD and I talked about this Quest before. Quest 64, yes, I know, we all know what you're going to say. Yeah, not so much. So, WWF No Mercy, or really any wrestling game for that matter. The N64, WrestleMania 2000 was the big one, right? Uh, WrestleMania 2000, I think, a little more well-known and, and popular. No Mercy came out after that, and I think is my favorite. Like, I will still pull out my 64 and hook it up just to play some matches. Uh, to me, the 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 N64 era wrestling games, and, and you could pick one, WCW, NWO, whatever you want, those were, I don't care if you're a wrestling fan or not, they were amazingly fun, right? Specifically the THQ ones, right? Yeah, there were absolutely, three. yeah. JD, yeah, I mean, those, your thoughts on, on the best ones? Those were so good. Yeah. Yeah, I always look at um, WCW NW World Tour, which was a port of Virtual Pro Wrestling, which came out in Japan. Uh, it was, in a lot of ways, a direct port, as they put a bunch of the Japanese wrestlers just directly in and changed their names. But um, that that was kind of the first. And we talked about, um, a while back in this list, talked about fighting systems that were introduced that are still around. And obviously that grapple system is still being used by the WWE games today. In it's slightly different, but it's it's the same system that really started with that virtual pro wrestling Japanese game or WWE NWO World Tour. Um, I'm gonna you mentioned two games, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in and, and see. I, I don't think this is your second game, Cody, but Star Fox 64. That's it. That's it. On this. Okay. That's it. I to me that is that is I think the best Nintendo 64 game in terms of what holds up in every way: graphics, sound. 
uh, playability. It's Star Fox 64, hands down. At Drake, sophomore year, or no, my junior year at Drake, I used to go into my friend Andy's room, and we would play that game three times or four times in a row, like every weekend, like three times a week. Just could not get enough of that game. It was and, a really good game. I think the key, and Nintendo knew it, because remember, that's how inter- and Nintendo introduced the Rumble, was they packaged the Rumble pack with Star Fox 64. Yeah. So that was the, they knew, they had a they had a peripheral that people wanted, and they knew this was a really good game that they wanted in people's hands. And, and honestly, unfortunately, it's it's really the death of the Star Fox franchise, uh, if you if you look at it with today's eyes, um, which is, is just a shame. Somebody needs to do something with that franchise, because it's, it's, it's a fun... It's a fun gameplay. It's it's good for a casual gamer to pick right up. It, it needs to be on this list, but it needs to be in 2015 games some somewhere somehow. Yeah, it really does. Um, I gotta love that game so much, and I, you can still quote half the game. I, I mean, I can anyway. It's it was so good with the voices. I mean, like no game before that had like voices like that through the whole game. You know, I don't think. It, I well, I mean, there were some PlayStation games that did. There's different technology, obviously, because they, they had tracks on a CD, and it was much tougher to do on a cart. So I still don't know how they got all that voice data on that cart. Because you look at the other games, even at the end of the N64 cycle, nothing was even close to it. Sure. Anyway, um, yeah, we should go to uh, 60 through 51. Um, JD, do you want to take this? Yep, uh, 60 is Donkey Kong, 59 is Persona 4 Golden, 58 Team Fortress 2, 57 MechWarrior 2, 31st Century Combat, 56 is StarCraft, 55 is Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast, 54 is Thief 2 The Metal Age, 53 is Miss Pac-Man, 52 Pokemon Yellow, 51 Mass Effect 2. Uh, this is by far, I think, we'll go over... Obviously, the other 10s uh, later, but this is the most diverse 10 games and some games that I don't think until this podcast have ever really been spoken upon in the same... Probably. So what are your thoughts? We'll start with you on your uh, on the major standouts for you. I mean, Donkey Kong is, along with Qbert, still probably in the competitive arcade game world, which I follow probably too closely, are, are the two standouts there. So Donkey Kong being 60 is weird... And Donkey Kong being below Miss Pac-Man for me is a little weird as well, but I know Miss Pac-Man is a bigger game to the masses, whereas in the competitive world, obviously Donkey Kong is, is still the king there, uh, no pun intended. Um, and then and then StarCraft, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on StarCraft. I, I think it really kind of blew things open uh, in the PC gaming world. StarCraft was, I mean, it was off of a very Something you had seen before, but at the same time, it was something completely different and kind of thrust us to uh, eventually games like Team Fortress 2, honestly. Yeah, I part of me wants to say I would rather have Warcraft 2 higher than StarCraft, just since that was more of a pioneer. But StarCraft did do a lot of it better, and again, Korea is still playing that game competitively. Yeah extensively, and that's a huge, huge cultural impact. Um, I actually owned MechWarrior 2, but I wasn't ever good at it. I think it was one of the first PC games where, and maybe I'm wrong, but one of those first PC games where you have, like, 40 keys and they all do something completely different, and you just have to... I mean, they sold, like, a console for it, like a giant control panel thing that you could use for it. Um, 
So then that was pretty uh, pretty much that way. I've never played Persona 4 Golden. I don't know much about it. I feel like Team Fortress 2, some might argue, should be higher on the list, but I, I haven't played that. Um, uh, yeah, not a ton of experience. I think Ms. Pac-Man is, is good to be pretty high up because, again, it, it, like you mentioned, um, mass appeal and in terms of how much money it made. It, like, Ms. Pac-Man killed at the arcades. Uh, and I'm fine with Pokemon Yellow and, and Mass Effect 2, is, except is the original Mass Effect... Yeah, the original Mass Effect is higher. Everyone has told me Mass Effect 2 is much better, and a lot of people have said that it, as much as Mass Effect was kind of uh, groundbreaking in its way, um, Mass Effect 2 is a lot more playable, so I'm almost surprised that's not higher than the original. Um, but but here we are. John? So I've got, a, I've got, I think, more to say about this 10. So in regards to Mass Effect 2, yes, I think... Mass Effect 2 is a better game pretty much in every way than the original Mass Effect. It's basically like if you're if you don't know anything about Mass Effect um, and you know anything about Assassin's Creed, putting Mass Effect 2 lower than Mass Effect 1 is like putting Assassin's Creed 2 lower than the original Assassin's Creed. Which, when you think of it like that, if you've played both of those games, is ludicrous. Because Assassin's Creed 2 did exactly what Mass Effect 2 did, in that it took everything that the original game did, and it made it better and more streamlined and just more fun to play. So that's why I just cannot believe... If any, these two, It'd be fine if, they, if the two were just flip-flopped. That'd be totally fine. I, but I cannot agree at all, personally, with Mass Effect 2 being lower than the original Mass Effect. Um, I have no stance on Pokemon. Um, Pokemon needs to be on this list somewhere. Um, but you don't need to put every one on there. So yellow, probably... I mean, yellow, you got to have your own Pikachu. That probably up Pokemon for the kids of our generation, the idea of being able to have your own Pikachu. So that's probably the one you'd put on, right? Um, I mean, we adopted red and blue when we were kids because those were the first ones out. Yellow came out like a year. So, like, I don't know. I think any one of those three could be on there. It'd be fine. Um, I don't know much about, like, classic arcade scene as well as, like... um, uh, competitive arcade, high-scoring stuff. So, like, Miss Pac-Man seems as good as any, I guess, to have on there. I have never heard anybody ever talk about Thief 2 The Metal Age, ever. And I haven't played it, so it's tough for me to say, just because I haven't heard people talk about it, that it shouldn't even be on this list. But I've literally never even heard of it until I just read it here on this but list. You, but you hear people talk about Zork 1, The Great Underground Empire, all the time, right? All so. I'm saying, All I'm saying is that, like... A game that has that it has sequels made, like Thief 2, and a new Thief just came out not too long ago. Like you'd think, you'd think that when the new Thief came out, I think I would have heard people talking about Thief 2 and like, oh, remember how great that game was? I literally have never heard of this game, so I'm just a little miffed by it, I guess, uh, because it doesn't come up in like the common talk about great games that were made. Maybe it was a great stealth game. Maybe this was the game that invented the stealth genre. I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about the stealth genre. Maybe that was it, though. Maybe that's why that's on there. Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 was excellent. We have a friend that I think would literally play that now if he could still. Um, and I know he played that endlessly when when it was like first out. Uh, MechWarrior 2 invented the mech sim genre, which is what I think you were trying to say, but were too dumb to know the words. Basically. Um and Star- I think StarCraft, and I think the reason StarCraft is really important and probably the highest RTS on here is because it was the first RTS that was um, accessible to everybody. Because up until that point, that genre of game was was unpenetrable in terms of its difficulty. And StarCraft kind of dumbed it down enough to where you could 
play it and probably even get through the campaign. But then when you actually tried to play it competitively, that's where you kind of needed to to learn real-time strategy games better. I would say that Warcraft 2 was good, but I don't think it was nearly as accessible as StarCraft was. Really? I never got that impression growing up. That's because you and I played it. But I don't think that it was as accessible. I really, I think yeah. StarCraft really, really kind of brought that genre to the masses. So, I mean, other than that, um, Persona 4 Golden, I guess, is supposedly the best Persona game. I played three. It was really long. It was good, but it was like a hundred hours. It was too. It was too many hours. Um, but apparently, Persona 4 is better, and it's also a hundred hours. So I'll never play it. It's far too long. But I hear it's really good. All right, uh, JD. Any thoughts on those thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think the slight age gap between us, the very slight age gap, is the difference between me having a lot to say about Pokemon and me not having a lot to say about Pokemon. I think that was just a couple. I was, I'm a, a year maybe too old for that. Um, I am not a Star Wars guy, but I played the crap out of Star Wars Jedi Knight. Um, I, I just thought that was a good game, regardless of the genre. Obviously, a lot of those Star Wars games are are easy money. They're not exactly games that were worked on very hard, in my opinion, because they know they can throw the franchise out there and people will buy it. But that game, I think, holds up um, to any game on the list. You could strip the licensing on that game, and I think it still would be where it is on this list. It's a cool thing about the Star Wars games, though. I mean, Shadows of the Empire was a phenomenal Nintendo 64 game. And by all rights, Lucasfilm, like, I mean, they didn't need to be good, right? Like, like you yeah. said, Star Wars games could sell themselves. But the pedigree of the Star Wars games, I mean, Knights of the Old Republic is later on this list. Uh, you know, Jedi Knight 2 is on this list. Um, I, and, uh, yeah, there's just been a lot. Rogue Rogue something? Rogue Squadron. Blake, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. No, Rogue Squadron is popular. What's the one that Blake is obsessed with? Um, TIE Fighter? Yeah, or X-Wing. Yeah, but there's a lot of really good games. Uh, and in the arcades. The Star Wars Trilogy arcade game is one of the most popular arcade games among all of our friends. Um, so, yeah. Keep in mind that there's also a lot of really, really bad ones, too. There's oh, really? like There's like 8,000 Star Wars games. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of really bad ones, too. And well, I played a lot of the really bad ones growing up, I will say. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, never mind. All right. Well, then I'm wrong. Fine. Uh, John, do you want to go with 50 through 41? Sure. Uh, 50 on this list is Dota 2. <laughs> 49 is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. 48, The Last of Us. 47, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. 46 is Metroid Prime on this list. 45 is Diablo 2. 44 is Banjo-Kazooie. 43 is Resident Evil 4. 42 is Counter-Strike 1.6. 41 is Metal Gear Solid. I can't believe this, to be perfectly honest. There's some on here that should be lower and some that should be higher. I can tell you right now that... For me, and again, this is this is for me, and I understand. Like I've played both Dota 2 and League, and they just don't compare in terms of playability to me. Like League is just head and shoulders, I think, above Dota 2. So I can't believe that. And I know, and actually, IGN has a lot of Dota 2 players on their staff, and I know that. So it's it doesn't surprise me at all that they rated Dota 2 higher. And I can't fault them for that because like it's what they prefer. But I still think League's a better game. Um, Metroid Prime on my list would be far higher. I knew this. I knew you were gonna have something but, to say about that. But there are a lot of people I understand that like didn't play that game. So whatever. I'm willing to like. I'm willing to like leave that there. It made the list. I guess I should be happy with that. But damn, if I don't love that game. I've played that game like ten times, and it's not an exaggeration. I love the original Metroid Prime. I love it. 
It is awesome. So I'm a little sad that it's not higher. Uh, Diablo 2, I think, should probably be a little higher. Maybe not much. Resident Evil 4, being where it's at, is ridiculous. That is one of the top ten games ever made. Whoa, really? Without question. Without question. Yes. That also, like, reinvented or invented a genre of game. Yes, that is one of the ten best games ever made. I think it's ridiculous that it is this that it is this low. So, yes, there are some definite problems for me with this ten, for sure. I don't know anything about Metal Gear Solid. I haven't played a single one, so I bet you'll probably be a little upset about that. I don't know, though. No, I mean, if this list were made now, Metal Gear Solid Five would absolutely be in the top 20. I mean, it should be anyway. Well... Probably not, but it, it it should be on it would be on this list I would imagine. I, I mean that game's phenomenal. Um, I'm in the minority here and I know it, but I never played Banjo Kazooie. What <laughs> what is the big deal with that game, JD? I was going to say that my my big note on this portion of the list is Banjo Kazooie being on the list and Star Fox. We obviously wax poetic about Star Fox earlier, but Star Fox 64 not being on the list and Banjo Kazooie being on the list. It, I don't know. I think there's a lot of fans of Rare that just love this. I I seriously maybe played 30 minutes of it and thought, yeah, that's not for me. Um, and, and I also commented that the most casual person going into this was John, and he's now the most fired up of say I have to make that note. Um, the Last of Us, really, really, really good game. Probably my favorite game in the last five years, so it's tough to see it uh, this low. But that's, uh, I mean, we're talking about a lot of years of time, so I can kind of understand it. And, and I think as time goes on, I could see this game uh, rising in in people's eyes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was I mean it was the game of the year in 2013, right? I mean, like undisputed, everyone named this their game of the year. I named it my game of the year on this podcast when we did our end of the year top five games. Uh, I mean, IGN, GameSpot, name your outlet, and it was the game of the year. It just it just was the best. Um, so I I know. John kind of said it in a kind of poo-poo voice, kind of like a, The Last of Us, a little bit when he read it. But, like, I'm not surprised and I'm glad that a game that recent is able to get um, in the top 50. I think you're reading into the way that I, that I read that particular one because I had no commentary at all on that. I, oh, I, think, right. it deser- I think it deserves to be on this list. Okay, cool. For sure. I, I think if you're going to pick a Call of Duty game, Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty 4 obviously makes sense. Um, yeah, and Metal Gear Solid, I'm glad, is on the list. I'm glad there's another Metal Gear Solid game higher on the list. I'm really glad this one's on here. But yeah, man, I just can't. Banjo kazooie I just can't. Um, From what I can tell, this is the only rare platformer that's on this list. I never actually played Banjo-Kazooie, but the rare platformers were awesome on the 64, and maybe this was, like, considered the best one. And maybe that's I'm, why it's on here. I mean, the IGN there's, there's way, no other there's no other platformer by Rare on this list. Well, the IGN write-up says it's the best Mario game ever made. It took the formula from Mario 64 and perfected it and blah blah blah. But like, ah, what does that do for like it's like a Mario 64 but slightly better? I don't know. I'm not I'm not impressed. JD, what do you think of everything else? Um, I, I will say too. Now I'm thinking about Conker's Bad Fur Day. I would put above Banjo Kazooie, but that's, I, I mean that I was like that was like a fun, awesome game, and I love it. But I, I mean, it wasn't like you could have everybody play that game. I couldn't play that game with like my mom in the room. True. So true. That's, I mean, yeah. But that game was awesome. That game was so great. I agree. Yes. With you. Yeah. So I think I think as far as rare games go, that would be my preference. Other than that, I, I don't have uh, a lot of. Uh, negative things to say. I will say that as time goes on, if they do this list again in five years, I think two games from 2013, The Last of Us and, and Dota 2, will be much higher up. 
Yeah, and actually, uh, to John's point about uh, the genre, uh, you made a point about something like kind of creating a genre. Res- Resident Evil 4. Like, right, Resident Evil 4. I mean, yeah. Dota 2 did precede League of Legends, right? So maybe that got at some points here? Uh, Dota 2. Two Dota preceded League of Legends. Dota Two did not. Oh, all right. Well, then this is stupid. Then this list is stupid, and I'm mad. I could be making that up. I could have. I could have just made that up. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to 40 through 31. At 40, we have Dark Souls. At 39, we have Journey. 38 is Mass Effect One. Uh, 37 is Silent Hill Two. 36 is Bioshock. 35 is World of Warcraft. 34 is Shadow of the Colossus. 33 is Battlefield 1942. 32 is Rock Band, and 31 is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, screw that. Dota 2 was released July 9th of 2013. So, yeah, and League, League has been out for over five years. John saw in the last 10. Well, we already talked about the Mass Effect uh, the Mass Effect being above the Mass Effect 2. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Bioshock being this high. Like, it was a, it was a good game. I don't know. Part of me wants to say Bioshock Infinite. Shouldn't that be on if a Bioshock game was on the list? But I don't know. Um, Bioshock Bioshock solidified the idea that you could have a first-person shooter on a console. Bioshock was the game that did that. What? What about like Halo? I bio I think Bioshock is generally considered. I guess hey no Halo is on there too in terms of games that did that. Maybe Bioshock was okay. Bioshock was the game that solidified that you could have a good story in a shooter on a console, or just a good story in a shooter in general. I think that was what Bioshock is is known for. Did Bioshock come out before Borderlands? Borderlands doesn't have a good story at all. Borderlands' story is garbage. All right, fine, whatever. I uh, I give the floor to JD. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I don't really... Yeah, oh, man, Borderlands. Okay, um, I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's go with um, my big thing. I don't think there is a game that has done more for gaming in a positive light and more for gaming in a negative light than World of Warcraft. I would agree with that. That when World of Warcraft came out, it was the thing. Um, I think we we can talk about micropayments and whatnot, and we can also talk about video game addiction. And those are the two things that I think of, unfortunately, when I think of World of Warcraft. And and it's a it's a it's a great concept for a game. It's a great game. I think it just got too big to where it, it may have damaged more than it did positively, which is why I think if this list came out three or four years ago, I think World of Warcraft is a top ten game. I can see that. John has more experience playing WoW, and I, I don't have as strong of an opinion, so I'd like to hear his thoughts on that. I mean, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I literally missed the entire first, first like, maybe the first three quarters of a generation of gaming, like with the Xbox 360 and PS3, because I was playing World of Warcraft. That was the only video game that I played for, like, three years. Um, I wouldn't take that back because I absolutely loved my time with it. Um, I would 100% have this game be in the top 10, 100%, like without question in my mind. I will say that one thing that it did do, like if you're talking about the negatives of it, um, is that it really smothered the field for potential good games in that genre because there was no game that could ever come out and not be destroyed within like a year or two of it being out. So I think what is unfortunate is because the game got so big, because it was so good, I think we probably missed out on some other really good ideas that just couldn't make it into the market and get enough market share of people willing to play MMOs because World of Warcraft had such a tight grip on the market. I mean, it, was, it basically had a monopoly on the MMO market. But that's the kind of, like MMOs are the kind of market where that 
numbers are what makes it successful. So there's going to naturally be a monopoly, right? Like Facebook. Like there's no room for a Google Plus out there. There's no room for another social network because everyone's on it. But in order for it to be successful, everyone has to be on it. And it becomes a chicken and the egg kind of scenario. Yeah, but like I like World of Warcraft, but you know, like it, it's it is a fantasy setting that they can only do so much with. Like I would love an MMO set in space. Like I would love that. That that was as high of a quality. But what I'm saying is, if World of Warcraft didn't have 20 million subscribers, don't you think that that would lose some of its luster and some of its... Like, they wouldn't be able to afford to release all the patches they did. That's tough. To, it's tough to say. I mean, you're probably right, but we don't live in that world, right? We live in the world where World of Warcraft had 13 million subscribers or something like that at one point. Yeah. And was, like, making, what, hundreds of... Literally hundreds of millions of dollars a month? Like... That was the revenue that it was generating. I mean, it like it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. The amount of money the key, that World of Warcraft was generating. And the key word there is subscriptions. I still go back to and saying that a lot of the micro payments and games we're seeing these days kind of go back to, hey, if we can get money monthly from somebody, why can't we get it hourly? And I think that's an unfortunate side effect of of the success and the amount of money that World of Warcraft uh, brought in. Interesting. I would put it above Shadow of the Colossus. Like, Shadow of Colossus was a great game, but to your point, in terms of impact and all that, I would also put it above Battlefield 1942. I mean, really? That's that's the... To me, Battlefield 1942 was, like, the ultimate land party game of the time. Mm. It was the... Obviously, there was a single-player mode that you played against the AI that, that kind of felt like the multiplayer mode if you were playing with idiots, but the multiplayer environment, the land environment uh, for that game, that was... I, I don't want to say it was revolutionary at the time, but that was one of the best games for your your old uh, kind of land style, like I guess like Howie's Game Shack is kind of bringing that back in in today's society. But kind of those uh, yesteryear PC cafe sort of uh, scenario. Wasn't that one of the first games too, where it had like a sixty-person fight? Like like wasn't that one of like the first games where you had just a crazy number of actual people that were able to play on the same map? Yeah, I don't remember the number, but I yeah, it's it's that's that's my that's my remembrance of the game too. Again, that's a game that I haven't probably uh, played in ten years. But the the thing that um, I just read doing a little bit of research is because I, I wanted to see how long EA kept the servers up for that game. It was up from 2002 until 2012, so it 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 had a it had a long lifespan in the multiplayer realm. So I think it's it's a it's solid where it's at on this list. I think Rock Band and Star Wars: Knights of the Republic both deserve to be on this list for sure, and also be very high. Those are both amazing games. Silent Hill 2, I the only Silent Hill game that deserves to even be close to this list um, is also incredible. Like Silent Hill 2 was amazing. I don't know what happened to that series. I don't know why it it peaked so harshly because like one was pretty good two was worthy to be on this list and then three through whatever they're at now just completely fell off um so in my opinion that's totally fine that that's there and yeah star, star wars nice the republic was was like the first the first real like western rpg that started to to merge some of the concepts of um japanese rpgs too like that was super important game so that was the game was awesome. And I know you're happy that uh, Dark Souls is on the list. You love that game. I do. Dark Souls is super great. I, are you okay with Silent Hill 2 being above both Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 4? No. Okay. 100% should not be above Resident Evil 4. Not even close. Yeah. Resident Evil 4 should be in the top 10. Okay. I 100% agree with that. All right. And any feelings about Bioshock? Am I... Uh, 
Yeah, I guess it was a really, really great game. I, don't I know. just I just played through it again on the PC like a year ago, and it was totally awesome still. Still awesome. Yeah. Like it it's really good. Okay, cool. Um I, I'm a little curious as to how none of the Guitar Hero games made this list when Rock Band did. Like I get that it did more for the genre, I think, but I don't know. I mean Guitar Hero invented it, right? Or Guitar Hero Two Legends of Rock, maybe. Which... No, Rock Band was the game that you, when you said, do you want to come over and play Rock Band, even if you had Guitar Hero World Tour, you were still inviting people over to play Rock Band. You said, hey, you want to come over and play Rock Band. Like, that was such, Rock Band was the game that got people that had literally never picked up a video game controller before to pick up a video game controller and play something. Like, Rock Band was, what Rock Band did was crazy. I mean, Rock Band was, if the Wii was, if the Wii didn't exist... Rock Band was the thing that got, like, your mom playing video games. You know, when you mention that, I don't know, JD, if you have, like, a list of... Do you have a list of games you feel were omitted from this list? I I do, and Guitar Hero was on there. And actually, it's kind of the genre, because I think what made Rock Band so great was participation in various ways, didn't have to be guitar, and vocals. I think the vocal aspect of it is huge, which is why I still, and and this still gets play from me, you know, when we have, when there's people over, partying, that sort of thing, is like a game like SingStar uh, started on the PS, um, on the PS2, moved to the PS3, now is PS Network, you don't even have to own it, it's free and you just buy the songs. But basically a, a karaoke, turning a game console into a karaoke machine and, and basically telling everybody they have horrible pitch is, uh, is something that I think is worthwhile. I, I think there's probably two Guitar Heroes, and I think guitar that should be on this list, obviously starting the genre with Guitar Hero and then Guitar Hero 2 Legends of Rock. Um, would be two games. I don't think they're above Rock Band on this list, but I think they should have been included. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of thinking. Uh, also, Guitar Hero 3 was Legends of Rock. I misspoke earlier. Uh, Guitar Hero 2, I don't know what the subtitle was for that game, if there even was one, but Guitar Hero 3 was the Legends of Rock one. I, I just tried to, to back you up. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that yes Ed mentality. Um, cool. Well, uh, we should uh, continue moving. So for numbers 30 through 21, at number 30 we have The Legend of Zelda. Number 29, Red Dead Redemption. Number 28, Final Fantasy VI. Number 27, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Number 26, Half-Life. Number 25, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Number 24, Sid Meier's Civilization IV. Number 23, Star Wars TIE Fighter. 22, Halo Combat Evolved. And 21, Super Mario Galaxy. And these are all really good games. Um, I've actually never played Star Wars TIE Fighter or Half-Life. Don't kill me. Half-Life 2 also, by the way, is higher up on this list. Spoiler alert. I should probably say spoiler alert before I actually say the spoiler, but I didn't. So there we go. Um, I mean, you can't really argue with with any of these. Um, Red Dead, and I haven't played Red Dead Redemption. Uh, Final Fantasy VI, I think, makes sense for the Final Fantasy game to be high up on this list. I'm going to have an interesting issue with this and another game in a little bit, but not yet. Symphony of the Night is... Definitely one of the best na- games ever. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing to say, so I don't know why I'm saying it. Uh, JD, what are your thoughts on 30 through 21? I have fond memories of TIE Fighter, and this will... We're going to just go back in the past here. I remember I got TIE Fighter as a deal because I bought a new Sound Blaster FX uh, sound card for my... So, there you go. That... Whoa, Sound Blaster! Remember when sound cards were a thing? Yeah. Wow. Um, any other issues yeah. with 30 through 21 or any issues of all, at all, I guess? 
I'm I'm a big Sid Meier proponent. Um, yeah, Civ 4 is a great game. I actually am in the minority and feel that Civ 5 is a better game, but I have no problem with Civ 4 being on this list. And there, there's another Sid Meier game to come, and I'll have even more to talk then. But, uh, you know, for that genre, I mean, Sid Meier's games dominate that genre, in my opinion, so that's, that's a great game. Um, Half-Life, I mean, Final Fantasy VI... I think it's low a little bit. I, I think Final Fantasy VI is probably a top 10 game if I were making a list. But we're at the point where games are high enough up to where I, I'm kind of okay with them. Unless if there's a game that totally doesn't belong, I'll point it out. But I, I think um, the only questionable game I have here is Red Dead Redemption only because, I mean, they took a format that they already knew and then placed it in a Western environment. I, I don't think that game plays as well as it did five years ago um, with some of the advancements in that genre. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, with this list uh, from uh, 30 to 21. Uh, yeah. John, any thoughts on 30 to 21, which we're all pretty much okay with so far? I don't really have any issues with it, to be honest. I think you're wrong about, I think you're wrong about Red Dead Redemption, JD. That game was incredible. Like I, I, that was that was also one of the best games of last generation, easily. Um, at least again, in my opinion. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, you know, Chrono Trigger appears later in this list. Um, and between Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger is the better game for me. I know, I know, a lot of people go back and forth between which one they like more. Um, but Chrono Trigger for me was the game I enjoyed more. You know, I just said, I literally just said, I'm going to have something to say about Square uh, games later in this list, and that's the exact thing I was going to talk about, is Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. Because, um, listener, if you're younger, or perhaps far older, you may not know, but, like, Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI came out in the same year, and for John and me, we were in middle school, probably, maybe high school, probably middle school. Middle school elementary or middle school, we were younger, right? And had a lot of time to play these games. And I'm sure John and I played through both of them several times every year. So it was a neck and neck thing. And I'm the same way. Most people our age, I think most most uh, millennials uh, like us are, are that way, that we go back and forth. I agree they should be closer. I My main problem with Chrono Trigger, which is objectively one of the best video games ever made, my main problem with Chrono Trigger is it is extraordinarily easy. Um, the last time I played through it, I just remember just blowing through everything, and I was just like, there's no challenge. And that that's and this is from a guy that's not that great at video games. So that's my biggest issue with that game. That's not a thing you run into in Final Fantasy VI. Both games have a really nonlinear style. Both games have a unbelievably good, soundingly uh, perfect soundtrack. Like, they're basically both perfect in every way. The only thing that I think sets it apart is the difficulty. So, I almost want to put Final Fantasy VI higher, but I, I, could, I, I could argue either way. I don't know. I don't know if you run into that same thing. I don't. I've never, I've never wavered on my like for Chrono Trigger more than Final Fantasy VI. Okay. I've always liked, I've always liked Chrono Trigger more. To be honest, like, Final Fantasy VI is not even my favorite Final Fantasy game on the Super Nintendo. So... Oh, God. That's because you like Final Fantasy V. I do. Final you Fantasy V is, is a far superior game in every way. You're so That's not wrong. true. You're it's so not a far superior game in every way, but it's a better game. What is wrong with you? Nothing's You're so wrong. wrong. Look, it's hard to be this right, is all I'm trying to say. You're it's so hard, bad It's at hard this. to be this correct at things. Yeah, Final Fantasy V is a better game. I'm offended by you. I'm literally offended by you right now. 
I'm, I'm offended for you. I don't even uh, know what that means. JD, any thoughts on the square thing before we move on? I, I will say one thing we didn't mention when we were talking about this list is compilations were not included. So if, if we're going to talk about, you know, Chrono Trigger Love, I mean, obviously... Um, there's what the the Chronicles, which is Final Fantasy IV and Chrono Trigger in one game. Um, that's not on this list because of things like that. Um, I will say that in, in the argument, and obviously Chrono Trigger's coming up, I would just strongly recommend anybody play those on the SNES and don't bother with them on the PlayStation. <laughs> that's oh, my, God, that's the my load game. times are atrocious. Oh, add, add two times to the amount of hours you need to spend playing the game if you're going to try to play either of those on the PlayStation. I mean, obviously the music quality is better, um, if you like that, but that's basically what you're waiting for time-wise. I would actually say that they're the best versions of those games. The best version of Chrono Trigger exists on the DS, probably, because it got a slightly different translation and some updated controls. And then Final Fantasy VI is better on the Game Boy Advance, if you can find that, because the, the translation got completely redone, uh, and it's awesome. So if you can get Final Fantasy VI on the Game Boy Advance, find it there. If you can get Chrono Trigger on the DS, get it on that. Play it on those. Because they're good portable games anyway. Awesome. Um, John, you want to go with uh, 20 through 11? Sure. Um, did we talk about how awesome Super Mario Galaxy is? Uh, no, Super we didn't. Ga- Super Mario Galaxy is awesome. I'll just it say It is that. really awesome. Um, 20 is Street Fighter 2. 19 is Deus Ex. 18 is Baldur's Gate 2. 17 is Portal. 16, Grand Theft Auto 5. 15, Minecraft. 14, Super Mario World. 13, Chrono Trigger. 12, Sid Meier's Pirates. 11, Super Mario 64. Wow, Super Mario World was after Super Mario 64 on this list? That's interesting to me. I I could see it. I mean, like you said, Super Mario 64 was unlike any game ever made. And as technically perfect as Mario World was, it, it really was a clear sequel to Mario 3, you know? Oh, Super Mario World did so many things that Mario 3 didn't do. Of, of course it, had, it did. It of had, course it did. Like it, had, it had different exits from from levels. It had like a non-linear map. I mean, it was crazy. It was like, it had secrets all over the place. It did, and they're both amazing, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I could see Mario 64 being being higher, personally. My main, Sid Meier's Pirates? That you're 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 speaking as somebody who I assume has never played Sid Meier's Pirates. Correct. Have you? Of course. Uh, I like like I said, kind of going before when we were talking about Civ. Um, I don't think Sid Meier could do any wrong. I actually find the iPad port of that game still very enjoyable as well. If you if you're looking for something cheap, I, I know it's also on Steam for a, a more expensive uh, price. But we're talking about really. I mean, obviously, it was ported everywhere. It's the only real, outside of, if you're going to count Oregon Trail, the only Commodore 64 game on this list. So it has love for me just on that fact alone. JD, um, is, is Sid Meier's Pirates, um, was that ported to the Genesis? Yeah, that was ported to the Genesis as well, and I, I, have, I own that personally right is, now. Is it the, is it, it's the game where basically you can sail around to all the different islands in the Caribbean and you like buy different different goods at one place and you can sell them at a different place. You attack ships on the open sea. Um, some t- yep. like, like the ship will fly a flag and you see what flag is flying, and then you can determine whether you want to attack it. Yep, you got okay. it. Okay, that, ga- that game is, I played the out of that game. So now that I know that that's the game, because I played the Sega port of that game, yes, that game is so good. So, so good. And I probably played the crappiest version of that game, being the Sega port. But I played that game a crazy amount. 
The the NES port was also terrible, but that's that's a game that was ported over. I believe if you look at the t- entire history, it was like eight years of ports of the same game. That's how crazy good that game was. That people keep kept wanting to release it as things came out. I totally didn't realize that was a Sid Meier game because it's not labeled as such on the on the Sega uh, cartridge. It's just called Pirates. Yeah. So I had no idea. That was that's actually the first Sid Meier game that I ever played. Then that game is so good. I'm okay with that being on. I didn't realize that was this game. I really didn't. Being at number twelve above it's, Mario World, it is. It is. I I don't even know how to describe it because if you haven't played it, I can't think of a game that's like it. Like it. It's got all. It's got so many different weird things. Like it's got this. It's got like a real-time battle system between ships when you're fighting where you're like firing cannonballs at each other. And then it's got this sim portion where you're building a fleet of ships. It's got um, like an adventure game portion where you're going to different islands and you're digging for buried treasure. And it's it's really good. It's a really awesome game. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no problem with it being number 12. Uh, and I think, uh, honestly, Cody, I, I think it's a game... Uh, that you really should should find, and it's available on all sorts of places. I mean, iOS, Android, uh, Steam has the original um, DOS version of the game available. Um, yeah, you you can go out of your way. It's going to be completely worth it. It's a fun game. It's a game that you can pick up and play for 30 minutes at a time and not be too invested, but you're just going to have fun. And also, there's a there's a sense of humor in that game as well with some of the text dialogue. I I cannot recommend it more highly. Wow. I had no idea. So that answers that question, I guess. And and we've got we've got the crux of my issue with this list sitting at number 20, Street Fighter 2. It's not I don't have anything against Street Fighter 2. Do you realize that's the only competitive arcade game on this list? Player 1 versus Player 2. No Mortal Kombat, no Dive Kick, no Play Fighter, no Primal Rage. So what so if I mean, that's the game that should be on this list, right, for for head-to-head fighting, for what it yeah. did in the arcades, right? But what other games would you put on this list then? Um, in terms... Well, I always look at arcade gaming differently because there's two sides of arcade game. There is the side of making money in an arcade, and there is the side of producing good games. And those rarely meet in the middle. I mean, obviously, games like Street Fighter 2, I mean, you can go in and... People still have that in arcades today, and you can play that all the time, or you can go to an arcade bar, and that's going to be the, the the game outside of Miss Pac-Man that has the line behind it. Uh, but I'm th- I'm thinking the four-player genre is completely missing from this. Games like The Simpsons, games like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, games like WrestleFest. I, I, I see valid points for including... All of those, because this was back in a day when you could not have a four-player game on a console. That's true. So I live really close to a beer arcade in Chicago, headquarters, and they have the X-Men arcade game, they have Ninja Turtles, they have um, the Simpsons arcade game, and they're all free, actually, to play when I go in. And I'll go in, and I've done this a few times, and like I'll be with my friend Blake and a couple other my other friends, and we'll play through X-Men or something, and, and X-Men... Super fun, right? Really quirky voices. Everyone wants to play as Colossus because he's the best by far. Like Magneto being like, ha ha ha, X-Men, welcome to die, which is objectively one of the best quotes in the history of video games. And it's great, but at the end of the day, all you are doing is just mashing attack and occasionally hitting special attack and then dying and then putting in more quarters. Like, they're not actually nearly as 
fun as I ever remember them being. Like, now when I go to the arcade, I don't even play them. I end up playing pinball. Just because they're kind of exercises and just, like, not frustration, but... Attrition. Almost tedium. Like, almost. If you go back and play them. I don't know if that factors into what you're saying. Yeah, I, I'm definitely putting all of those games in the, the quarter eaters, the games that made the arcades money. But they were licensed games that were four-player games that really brought people together. And, and I, I, I can't pick one of those games over another. And I can't necessarily say that those games should be in the 20s. I'm talking about should they be included at all, maybe 90s, that sort of thing. But it's just weird to me that video games went from an arcade culture to a home culture, and the home culture is dominating this list. That's the only point I really wanted to bring up. I do I agree. I do agree with you that you couldn't get, you could not get a four-player experience at home back then. You could. It was very hard to do, and there were very few games that supported it. So, like, but at the end of the day, like playing the playing the games, we're not making a list of like the list is not the list of games that were fun to play with other people, right? The list is like of the top 100 games, and like if you were taking it maybe that into account. Like, like the because the going to arcade thing when I was a kid was awesome. Probably it was for all of us. Um, but I don't know the games that we that I played at the arcade like weren't great. Like especially compared to a lot of the games I played at home. Really, at least that was how I felt about it. But I went there because it was like fun to play with other people. It was fun to play Mortal Kombat against the other random people there and put your quarter up and and like. Be like, yeah, my Sindel is way better than anybody else's whatever they're playing. Like, that was awesome. But the game's still, like, Mortal Kombat 3 is not a great game. Mortal Kombat 2 is a great game. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it was like the experience of going to the arcade was what made those games good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, for, I mean, first of all, I, the list is called Top 100 Games Ever Made, which is very misleading because it doesn't include board games. Like, I mean, Dungeons & Dragons should be number one on this list if that were if that were the case, right? So, but I'm looking through their their criteria, and it doesn't really specify if they're talking about all video games or just home console video games. Um, this just says which games are the best of the best. So, I don't know. It says all video games across all platforms were eligible. I don't know if they count arcade as a platform. So maybe they're not even considerable in this. Did, did Galaga ever have a port, my immediate thought, besides, like, one of those um, compilation discs that we started seeing uh, with, like, the Sega Saturn and Dreamcast and so on and so forth? Fairly certain that Galaga had a Nintendo port. Um, I would imagine. I mean, this 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 does says you really do have to play Galaga on arcade hardware to get full experience. So... Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure vertical shooters ever really got better after Galaga. That is wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong. Raiden, or that one game that I'm obsessed with trying to get my hands on that I can't, that only had a Dreamcast port that I can never remember the name of. Oh, it'll come to me. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. Um, I get what you're saying with this. I'm still a little surprised Sid Meier's Pirates is so high up on the list. Even oh. if it's like a really, really fun game. Like it... I, I feel like most games that are that good leave some sort of legacy, right? So why have I never heard of this one? It's so good. It's really good. Um, and I think you probably have heard of it. I think you may be in the same situation as I just realized I was in and that you've probably played this game and didn't realize that you were playing this game. I've never played a pirate game. Okay. Yeah, it's it's legitimately, it's a crazy good game. I can't, I can't 
I can't tell you how many hours I actually spent playing that game. Random, really random. The super random. Yeah. Um, and, and, and by the way, 1941 Counterattack, the best vertical shooter that ever existed. We'll call that a day. I, I, that's fine with me. Um, that's really cool. Uh, cool. I have really not much else to say about the top 20 list, except that I'm really glad Minecraft is in here. Uh, Deus Ex, I thought, had a bunch of problems, John. Wasn't it, like, developed by two different developers? and it kind of broke. You're thinking of Deus Ex... Um, uh, mankind evolved human, or human revolution, revolution or whatever. Right, this is the original Deus Ex, which uh, is okay. which is a game I never played. Okay, all right, cool. Well, uh, let's go to the top ten then. Uh, JD, do you want to take it away? Hey, I'm I'm happy to have the the honors as the guest here. Um, number ten is Tetris. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, number nine. I was really trying to get you to do a spit take there, Cody. Uh, number nine <laughs> is Halo Two. Uh, number uh, not uh, number eight. I'm going to intentionally mispronounce just to irritate Cody. The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Oh my God! I really thought you would mispronounce it a different way, and now I'm hurting inside. Uh, number seven is Super Metroid. Number six is Half-Life 2. You have to know your audience, kids. That's always what to keep in mind. You're lucky I can't reach my Ocarina right now because I literally have one in the drawer behind me, but I would have to... Oh, wait, no, I can do it. No, keep going. You've got an Ocarina? Is it an Ocarina of Time? Do you have the Ocarina of Time? Oh. Keep going, JD. No, I'm, I'm just going to okay. do this. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, number five is Portal 2. Number four is Super Mario Brothers original version. Number three is Doom. Number two, The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. And number one is Super Super Mario Brothers three. All right, take it away, JD. Okay. Um, Tetris. Let's talk Tetris. Um, why? Why um, what? Why is it on there, or why isn't it higher? Why is it on there? JD, shame on you. I I ju- I I think Tetris is maybe a top forty game. I, I think. It it brought a certain you know age to gaming, uh, and I I don't think I I personally haven't played Tetris in probably few years. I don't know about you guys, but it, I have no interest in playing it. And if it's the top 100, if, if it's in the top 10, the top 100 games of all time, I feel like it's something that I will longingly want to play. I, that I need to play once every couple of years. And I can say that about the other nine games on this list, including Doom, which I realize does not hold up. But Doom at the time was awesome, and we'll get back to it. But Tetris, guys, am I missing the boat here? Yeah, I think you are. Okay, um, fair enough. I mean, my I, aunt used to play Tetris exactly. on the game. Yeah, my, my, mom, my mom bought a Game Boy so she could play Tetris. Like, that was not something that happened when I was a kid. Adults did not play video games. It was, it was weird. I mean, it's really ingrained in our culture. Anytime you do anything spatially, like anytime you're packing a van or packing a box or something when you're moving, like, I mean, the first thing somebody says is, oh, you must have played a lot of Tetris growing up. At least to me. I don't know if they say that to you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I, what do you call this genre? It's not like, it's what Match 3 was born out of, but this... Yeah, I mean, it did pioneer games like Bejeweled and um, Bejeweled. Like all those games. Match 3 is a huge genre. There's a thousand games on the App Store that use that as a mechanic, and they came from games like this. Like, this spawned games like Yoshi's Cookie, Wario's Woods, that kind of stuff. It's just, there's so, there's so many variations of Tetris that exist because Tetris existed. Um, Yeah, I think, I think Tetris was, I think Tetris was, like a, first of all, you can still play it, which is impressive because it's such a basic concept of a game. But but not only that, it 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 totally holds up. Like 
it totally holds up. Yeah, JD, you mentioned that you haven't played it in a long time, and I have Tetris World or Tetris Party or whatever it's called, and I do regularly play multiplayer with uh, my friends on the Wii whenever I have company, which is not often because I don't have many friends, but I do play multiplayer on the Wii because it's like, it's one of those simple, even if it's you're with a few gamers and a non-gamer, you can just throw in and jump into a Tetris match and all the variations and and... You could call Dr. Mario a close cousin, which I think is why Dr. Mario is not on the list. So, uh, yeah, I I gotta agree. Now, in that vein, I think that a glaring omission from this list is Wii Sports. And I know it's not much of a game, but my, my grandfather lived in a retirement community. Yeah. And he was 80-something years old, and he was in a Wii bowling league. No video game, I think including Tetris, in history has redefined what it means to be a gamer and what it means to play video games the way Wii Sports did. I can agree with that. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually surprised. I didn't even think about that. But, um, yeah, I I agree. I uh, I think that, that Wii Sports probably should have been on this list. Going back to Tetris for just a second, Tetris to me is like the chess of video games. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. It's like it's like a it's like a, a timeless game that you can that is like you can always play and maybe get better at and like see things that you hadn't seen before when you're playing it. Um, like that's what it feels like to me. I think that's why I'm like I'm okay with it with it being there. It's like like it was it was one of the first video games really that was in the zeitgeist that has, was ever made and became crazy popular like that. It was made in, like, the 80s, and it still holds up as a game, as, like, a skill-based game that you can play and, like, get better at. And I, it's just... It's an it's impressive that it was made when it was and and has... It, you're still able to play it the same way. Um, yeah, so I, I'm cool with that. But Wii Sports, I totally agree with you. I'm actually very surprised I didn't even think of that. That's not on this list. And I bet they didn't think about it either, and I'm betting that they're going to have an article in a couple weeks saying, hey, we totally forgot about this because it really changed gaming. Um, one thing from me, uh, and this is your opportunity to call me one of the biggest hypocrites ever, is that one of my favorite games of all time is Super, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, where you're basically taking the Tetris mold, but then if you know what patterns to make, you can actually make the Street Fighter moves happen. Um, so, yeah. But th- there's that's a, that's a game... Like, um, it's one of those games where you need to have pieces of paper to play because you need to remember the combinations and, and that sort of thing. So, obviously, that's that's for a very minute uh, part of the gaming uh, world, a.k.a. me. Okay, Halo 2 at 9. That's that's interesting. Um, Was that the best Halo game? See, that's, that's, that's the question I have. I, I think, going back... I think Halo and what it brought, and especially what it it basically made the Xbox console. Yeah. I, I, I think that something there, to me, would put Halo above Halo 2. And again, that's more maybe nostalgia and, and, uh, and like monetary gain for a company versus the actual game itself. Because especially in single player, I mean, Halo 2 blows it out of the water. But what Halo meant as a multiplayer game for, for Microsoft has to be, has to be mentioned. I, I will go on record as saying, outside of Tetris, I have no problem with, with this top 10. And I have no problem with number one, um, even if number one had a, uh, a mainstream movie right when the game came out to basically promote the, the game uh, in Wizard. Uh, but that's another story for another day. The Wizard was great. I don't know how I feel about Doom, but that wasn't... that I didn't participate in that at all. 
I feel like number three may be a little ambitious. Um, I think I, I can make arguments for a couple other games on the list being being up there. I mean, I, wasn't, like, wasn't Doom the first first-person shooter ever? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Like, that's, that's like a... I mean, that's... Even if the game's not good, that quality in of itself is makes it worthy, I feel like. Yeah, especially, and I get... Especially I, considering, yeah. like, all of the first-person shooters that exist now, right? That's true. That's true. I would almost... Uh, if you're talking about first-person, thinking outside the box, things like that, then I would almost argue where is Mist on this list. That's a good point. I think Mist belongs in the top 100. Um, I Again, Doom had the impact. We wouldn't be sitting here talking first-person shooters if Doom didn't come out. And if Doom wasn't gory, I also think that's a different story because that's that also um, helped clean up gaming and, and helped bring it back to um, being accessible to children because... So it, it actually, in a negative way, for Doom itself as a game and two and what happened afterwards, that's actually a big moment in gaming because A, it was the first first-person shooter, and B, it was the it was the time when game was kind of slipping away from the children that kind of brought, especially with Nintendo, kind of brought them back to, to center and saying, hey, we need to produce uh, you know, games and Pokemon happened and, and all that jazz, so... Yeah, I think the only thing I would move into the top ten, it honestly, is Minecraft. And I think that part of the reason maybe it didn't break the top ten is because, I mean, the people working at IGN are above the average age of Minecraft players, right? It's for like kind, of, primarily played by adolescents. And I mean, the the famous YouTubers that are streaming are all 21 and 22 years old, uh, or or younger actually. Um, but I think in terms of an educational tool, you're seeing it in the classroom. You're seeing it. Uh, you're seeing it in, in 3D um, models on stage at Microsoft events. It's become like the Legos of of the next generation, from my understanding. I feel like Minecraft is is huge. And I would almost slide that in at number eight or nine and uh, get Tetris out of the top ten, like you said, JD. Um, I would imagine maybe in ten years when they make this list, Minecraft might be in the top ten because that's the generation that will be coming in and and talking about that game. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you think? I I think the free nature of Minecraft when it started, the community idea... Um, how it existed so for so many years kind of on the fringe and then burst into the mainstream. These are all positive gaming stories and why I tend to agree that, that Minecraft is probably going to be 20 years from now a, a top three or top five game of all time, even with advances that I can't foresee, including playing games with your brain or whatever. Um, it just, yeah, Minecraft, uh, amazing there, and, and I think it's low. Um, two Mario games in the top ten... Um, did they get it right with three going above uh, Super Mario Brothers original um, in this list? I say yes, but the original was a great game. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think I think this is this is where it should be. I would almost put Mario 64 in the top ten, and I would, I'm gonna people are gonna get angry, but I'd almost put it over Ocarina of Time. Um, just in terms of sheer everything. Because, I mean, yeah, Ocarina of Time, widely considered the best Zelda game. Like, I mean, it blew everybody's minds. But at the end of the day, people weren't... When the Nintendo 64 came out, people are in the stores playing Mario 64 and running around and, and learning about these new 3D environments and all these things. Ocarina of Time, if you weren't a Zelda fan, it, it had more broad appeal than the main Zelda series. But not like Mario 64. I, I would almost swap the two. Or, or just bump Mario 64 right above it, I think. I mean, like John said, Mario 64 was like 
and PlayStation had done some stuff like it, but you walked into a Walmart or a Kmart or uh, a Best Buy or anywhere, there was an N64 there with Mario 64, and people were playing it. Although, speaking of Mario games, where's Mario Kart? Any of the Mario Kart games? You put yeah, in, like, that's... Forza 12, The Reckoning, and you don't put in, like, Mario Kart 64? Yeah, and you've got Mario Kart games going all the way back to the SNES. That was going to be kind of what I, I thought we were, you know, might wrap it up with games that we all felt were missing from this list, or even, I mean... You have to pick a Mario Kart game, which is very difficult to do. But how there's not a Mario Kart game in the top 30, I have no clue or concept. My, that just makes it makes my brain hurt. I could live with it not in the top 30, but certainly not in the top 100. I think is uh, is a little is a little suspect. I mean, like Walking Dead season one was a really great game. But John, to your point earlier about getting people together to play stuff, I mean, like Mario six Mario Kart 64 is the first game where I was consistently being beaten by girls. I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean that in a Mario Kart was like one of the more serious games originally that started to appeal to both males and females um, back in the day. Because if you're listening to this podcast and you're younger than John and me, like there was a day when a lot of guys played video games and not so many girls, believe it or not, a.k.a. Austin High School. And like Mario Kart 64 is one of those ones where like, I'd have a bunch of people over, and even if, no matter who was there, people would want to play Mario Kart. That was another broad appeal. So, yeah, I think I think those are missing. Uh, John, what do you think? I would say the original Super Mario Brothers. So, as far as Mario Kart goes, I'm not the biggest Mario Kart fan. I enjoy playing it. I enjoy playing it with other people around. I will never sit down on my couch and play that game by myself, ever. So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of okay with it not being on this list, to be perfectly honest. Um, as far as the original Super Mario Brothers, I think both 64 and Super Mario World are both better games. So I would actually put both of them over Super Mario Brothers. Um, Super Mario Brothers may have like been the first one, but it was by no means the best one, not even close. So I don't know. I understand that it's easy to put it on on there because it was the first, like it was Nintendo's like first big game, but still, I just. I don't know. I think I really think Super Mario 64 and Super Mario World are better games. Um, other than that, I would probably bump Tetris down maybe like one spot and bring Resident Evil 4 all the way up to make it into the top 10. <laughs> because I really think that game deserves to be in the top 10. Wow. All right. John, is there anything you think that isn't on the list that should have been on here? Oh, gosh, there are so many games. I mean, it. I don't know. Like, I would have to think about it more and, like, look at it more to, to really to really determine. I I don't know. What about Hearthstone? Should Hearthstone be on there? No. No. No, it should not. You're right. I agree. Uh, JD, what other games did you have in mind as we wrap up? I I did have some time to think, and I I will mention this as a glaring omission, because as far as I know, it is the only NES game that still to this day has a world championship every year, and that is Tecmo Super Bowl, and uh, that's... uh, going to be something that I'm probably going to be the only person on the podcast mentioning. I, did, I came in and said I didn't have anything to plug, but Tecmo Madison is is the greatest thing. 256 player tournament. Uh, we we stream. We help stream. I help stream it. Uh, it's amazing watching people gather on a Saturday and play Nintendo for 14 hours to determine who's the best Tecmo Super Bowl player in the world. So uh, yeah, that's that's fun and exciting. Um, the closest sports game, because I'm not going to count Tony Hawk or Mike Tyson's Punch-Out as sports games, closest to make the list I know from reading some of the IGN stuff is NHL 94. 
it always tops the the best sports games ever list. It deserved to be on this list. And I'm gonna throw out a random one because I I'm not a big NES guy. I was a you know I was a Sega guy growing up. You can make fun of me as much as you want for that statement, but. I was surprised that no games in the Animal Crossing series were on the list. I can see that. I know those have uh, quite the following. I can see that. Or The Sims. That's actually kind of weird that The Sims didn't make it. Now that I think about it. But is um, it a game? It was. It was just. A, it was. It was a very important game in in the life of of PC gaming. Um, one that I think maybe I would put on personally somewhere on this list because of what it did in Japan would be one of the Dragon Quest games. Oh yeah. Because while they may not have have had the same impact in the West, in Japan they literally had to release them on weekends. At the height of the at the height of Dragon Quest popularity, they had to release Dragon Quest games on the weekends because otherwise people would call in from work and call in from school. And it's like the only game that they've ever had to do that with. So I would say maybe one of those. Go ahead. But not the latest Dragon Quest, which is a game on the 3DS where you make your own music video. Um, I, I still don't understand that game. I've, um, never, I've never even heard of that, but that sounds, that sounds awesome. It's Theat Rhythm, uh, Rhythm Dragon Quest. I actually saw a video about it a couple uh, months ago. And it oh, a theater rhythm game? They did a theater rhythm game of Dragon Quest? That's awesome because the music is awesome. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's cool, but it's bizarre it is, because yeah. I don't know who the audience is because I don't see 45-year-old Dragon Quest fans because, let's be honest, that, that series with how long it's been around has an older fan base. I, I am the know. audience for that game. I love Dragon Quest. I am totally the audience for that game. And, and, I, and I've always enjoyed, um, well... I'll call it Dragon Warrior just to irritate you, but um, uh, I've always enjoyed that series. Well, it deserves to be on this list, uh, but again, it's it never... It, it almost seemed like releasing the games in North America were always an afterthought because they knew their market was... Up. Yeah, it's cool. They poured a lot of resources into into um, into 8 and both localizing it and making it um, just, just a very good localization as well as putting a lot of marketing dollars behind it. And I think 8 actually did pretty well. So that actually set up 9 to be pretty successful as well when that came out for the DS. And then they just didn't bring 10 here because it was an MMO. So it's kind of had a weird couple of years here in the West. I am super excited because they announced 11 was coming and it it is it hasn't technically been announced for the US, but it's going to be announced for the US. So I'm super excited about that because we haven't had a console Dragon Dragon Quest game since 8 on the PS2. I'm also trying to think of games. Uh, IGN mentioned that games cut in some of the final stages include Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, Final Fantasy IX, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, StarCraft II, and, uh, as JD mentioned on his list, NHL 94. And games cut in the final ultra-close bubble round included Soul Calibur, Mega Man 3, Braid, Left 4 Dead, and uh, Left 4 Dead 2, sorry, and Rome Total War. So, I don't know about those. Uh, games that I love but could see why they didn't include would include uh, Shovel Knight. I think Shovel Knight took the 8-bit platformer formula and perfected it. Um, I think DuckTales also could have made the list. Again, an exceptional platformer. I'm not sure that it innovated in a particular way that would have made it really uh, really worth putting on the list. And, and, um, and especially, not to cut you off, Cody, but since it had its re-release this year, I thought you know it would be a hot name in, in the back of those guys' minds uh, when, they're, when they were coming up with this. That's I, think true. The, I think the re-release left a bad taste in people's mouth, to be honest. It, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth, so I don't know if you're talking about my reaction to it or if you heard 
elsewhere also that it was bad? Did you play the, the re-release, JD? Yeah, I did, and I was more thinking that it made people remember the the good 8-bit game, and then that would make the list. Is is was my was my thought anyway? But I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I had one or two other games, but they have been lost in my in my uh, always deteriorating short-term memory. It seems. Yeah, I mean, if I'm just like perusing very briefly through my through my Steam library, like Bastion pops up as a game that could have made this list. Um, Braid, like you said, is a game that probably I think you could make a case to make this list. Um, I think Diablo 3 could make this list. Um, you would say that. Yeah, I mean, I like it better than Diablo 2, but I'm I'm really weird in that respect, and I understand that. Um, I mean, there really isn't a hack and slash game in there that I can think of. There's there's Devil May Cry 3, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's right. That one, and that was a really good game. So. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and they, it was know, 76. They put Mass Effect in there. They didn't put Dragon Age in there. Um, and I personally liked Dragon Age more than I liked Mass Effect. That not Mass Effect 2 though, but but Dragon Age was like a Dragon Age was a really good return to form of like the Western RPG. Well, in any event, and also Advance Wars, uh, pretty much the only handheld game represented on this list, which kind of makes sense. Well, and Tetris. Uh, and Tetris. Well, well. Tetris, the ubiquitous game, you can get that kind of anywhere. So, so I could see, um, yeah, there, there's not a lot that I could see um, that were that was really glaringly missing from this list. Uh, but clearly, we have all had a few issues to take with it. Um, I'm not super mad about it. I mean, I'm really mad, and I'm gonna like break something. I am but, pissed off. Yeah. Where were the amiibos on this list, huh? Where were the amiibos? What about Lightning Returns Final Fantasy thirteen three Bunavelza? What, what about for Lightning Returns Final Fantasy thirteen three Bunavelza Returns the Reckoning? Huh? Yeah. What about that one? JD, that's your favorite game, isn't it? Or or um, I always will screw this game up, but the best SNES game that ever existed is uh, Super Fire Pro X Premium Turbo. Is that a real game? Yeah, that's a wrestling game and probably the best wrestling game that's ever existed. And you have to port it from Japan, but obviously you you have me, so I would recommend doing that. Or you can just get Fire Pro Returns on the PS2, and that will give you a similar kind of. It, it's it's a two it's a 2D wrestling game that started way back in the SNES. It actually had a creator wrestler when it came out on the SNES in 1993, um, and a very thorough one at that. Um, so if you aren't interested, um, Fire Pro Six Man Scramble. Is also a really good game for the Sega Saturn. Um, I'm I'm blowing your mind a little bit here, but you really are blowing my mind. We got to get you on this podcast with Guy. That would be amazing. We could just sit back. That's what. That's why I would have them on, so we could just sit back yeah. and just let them talk obscure Japanese pro wrestling game. Uh, there's no relation to Uniracers, because Uniracers should also probably be on this list. Uniracers was was fun and bad. Uh, a couple of other games that might be able to make it: Stanley Parable. Um, I think you could. I think you could totally make a case for that. Um, we said Civ Five, which personally I like that better than Civ Four. So like, agreed. I would, yeah, I would you're, have you're in good seen, company here, JD, with that. Yeah, one. I would have rather okay. seen Civ Five. Um, Rogue Legacy. I think you could make an argument for that. Yeah. And then my own personal love for uh, Risk of Rain. I would. I would. Uh, there are well, some you... games. There are some games that I would drop from this list just to add Risk of Rain. You because... know that's just us, though, right? Like you know that you and I are two of the only people that would say that. That game is so good, though. It is. It's it was on both of our top so, five lists. So good. Yeah. A couple years ago. But I think that any of those games that I just said, you could also make a uh, make a case for. 
And, and I tying everything back together to our Drake connection, I have to say the multiplayer game that I played the most during my time at Drake, Micro Machines V3 for the PlayStation. Uh, that is a very underrated multiplayer car game. Uh, it's bizarre. You you can use Micro Machine tanks and shoot uh, your enemies off the map. It's it's actually pretty incredible, and it is actually short on load times for a PlayStation game. I don't know what that is. It sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other, other Super Nintendo ones I could think of were Donkey Kong Country and maybe a Kirby game somewhere in there. But again, in terms of the echelon of of, uh, of innovation and some of the things that were clearly demonstrated on this list, I kind of get it. But yeah, I, I think we could all agree that Wii Sports was a absolutely glaring omission. Other than that, um, you know, this is just us nitpicking. Um, if you work at IGN and you're listening to this podcast, I don't want you to think that we are, are, are making fun of you or trying to degrade what you do. I would like you to um, syndicate our podcast because that would be really great and also come on. If you'd like to do that, hey, look at that transition. You can email us at unqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com. Is that our address? That's our address. Probably. Great. Well, you can find us at unqualifiedgamers.com, also on wgmplus.com. And also at gunnageek.com. Speaking of which, briefly before we close, I'd like to let you know about a couple other things going on around the Gunna Geek network in the world of podcasting. Uh, on Tyrion's Landing this week, you can check out Tyrion's Landing uh, episode 94 is the Emmy edition. They'll be talking about the Mountain of Emmys Game of Thrones received this year. And they also have an update on Hairwatch 2015. I still don't know what that is. We plug it every week. I should probably check that out. I just haven't had time to catch up, actually, because I was actually listening, and this is true, to the last episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week, it's episode 94, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., A Wanted Inhuman. Uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week, the Inhumans are wanted and on the run. Fitz gets Simmons back just in time for her to try desperately to return. Is it another man? Will Daisy and Lincoln ever find happiness? And what in the devil are May and Hunter really doing out there to require useless subtitles? Agents Stargate Pioneer and Haley once again band together as Team Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. to combat the need to discuss all the nitty-gritty details. Can we call ourselves a team now? Can we call ourselves an elite team? John? I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to be on your team, so probably not. We're an elite team, and John plays for the other team, uh, or so he'd like to. Uh, Black Adam and Neil also join in for their weekly round of comic book segments, and as always, the hosts also take some time to discuss the week in Marvel news and review all the awesome Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. feedback. So that's on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Tyrion's Landing at gunnageek.com. And uh, I already told you where you can find us. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or both or what have you, and uh, tune in, leave us reviews, leave us ratings, tell us how we're doing, all those things. Uh, basically, I just want you to talk to us. I'm so lonely. My God, I'm so lonely. Oh, God, make it stop. The also, loneliness... you should leave us a review on iTunes because that gets more eyes on us. That'd be great. I literally just said that. JD, confirm or deny, I literally just said that. In a roundabout way. You should also leave us a review on iTunes because that is a great way for us to get seen. JD, would you like to tell our listener that they should leave a review for us on iTunes? Um, no. I, that's fair. I mean, that's a good response. That's yeah, That's really fair. I have no uh, no feedback other than that. Well, thanks for joining us, JD. Thanks for bringing the list to our attention. And uh, and listener, I may throw up a text 
version of the top 100 list on unqualifiedgamers.com. Currently, if you go to IGN to read this top 100 list, you have to click next because each game is an individual page because that's how internet ratings and advertising dollars work these days. Um, So I may uh, just throw up a list for you with hyperlinks to all the games and leave it up as long as I don't get a cease and desist order. 